Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome back to the Train Happy Podcast. My name is Tally Rye and today I am joined by a fellow personal trainer, Laura Giasi, and we are having such a great chat Laura has had her own journey of ditching diet culture, leaving it behind and really discovering an intuitive approach to food and exercise. Um, We get into it in the conversation but Laura had been on some form of diet since she was about eight years old and we really chat about the evolution of that and you know how she got to where she is today. So I really hope you enjoy hearing from Laura because she is an awesome trainer and content creator who is doing some amazing work. But before we get into that, it is of course time for Train Happy Trooper of the week. This week's Train Happy Trooper is listener Megan and Megan says, My train happy moment is that recently I have started trading in my usual sweaty cardio for a slower paced Pilates or a bar workout and I am loving it. I enjoy working out so much more for listening to my body and taking a slower pace and enjoying every minute of my workout instead of powering through. Thank you for giving me the tools to listen to my body and respect my own boundaries. I really, really love this and we get into this in in today's episode of how we did so many things in diet culture and we weren't we did what we thought we should do rather than necessarily what we wanted to do and actually what you want to do and what you enjoy can actually be quite different and, and can be you know a lot more gentler to the body so if you would like to have your train happy moment featured and be train happy trooper of the week you know what to do. Email us trainhappypodcast at gmail.com or you can direct message us on Instagram and we will pick it up there. And of course, make sure you're following us on Instagram as well. We love to keep sharing more podcast content with you over on that page. Right, let's get into my conversation with Laura. Laura, welcome to the Train Happy Podcast. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. This is quite the honour. Thank you. I'm really excited to speak to you because I have just loved seeing you flourish and thrive on TikTok and seeing you just kind of, I don't know, just be so brave and bold as to really just stick up for what you believe in on that platform in a multitude of things like we'll definitely get into like all the fitness stuff but just on so many issues and I just I'm I'm just loving your work to be honest thank you I really appreciate that I am you know it's I think I live in a bit of a bubble where I think I'm like well this is just you know fact or you know not not facts but you know I just think 
this is what this is. And then somebody, you know, TikTok, TikTokers will definitely uh, tell you if you're wrong. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I, I, I want to get into like, maybe later on, we'll like, just talk about TikTok even more. But I'm just so fascinated with that platform. Like, I love it. It sucks too much of my time away from me every day. Um, <laughs> but also the fact that Unlike, unlike Instagram, where you do get a real com- sense of community, because lots of communities have been cultivated for years. And mm-hmm. I know in my case, it's something I've been doing for like, it's like eight, nine years now. And on TikTok, because you're so exposed to people who've never come across your content before, just by scrolling on your For You page, you just get people who are like, will say exactly what they're thinking don't care about your feelings don't care about anything they just see everything at face value and so you just get one of the best things about TikTok so for people who haven't been on there the comment section is often comedy gold like it's the best thing about it but it's also like brutal at times yeah it's uh yeah I think there have been certain times and we'll get into it but there have been certain things that I've posted and then afterwards I've been like okay, I can't look at TikTok right now, like just take a step back. Um, but there is something about it. And I don't, I don't understand the back ends of social media too much. But like, there is something about how I don't know if content is surfaced to more people that don't follow you on TikTok. Because as you say, on Instagram and other social platforms, you have a really nice like little friendship group, group in a way. Um it's not to say people don't get bad comments on Instagram, but it seems like you are more susceptible to the masses on TikTok. And I don't know why that is. <laughs> yeah, I think that's part of the attraction of it. And that's what makes it so fun is because you are like finding all these new people and random videos. And like, if it's a good video, it's a good video. It gets shown to people. Um, but yeah, I do think it's just so interesting. So besides putting content out on TikTok, you are also a personal trainer. Um you're based in the US in LA and I would just but you don't have an American accent for those who are um you know astutely listening so I'd love to hear your story of kind of how you got into fitness how you got into fitness how you ended up in LA and all the rest of it so I haven't always been a personal trainer I my actual uh, I've had a few careers um but the main one was I spent about 10 plus years I worked in TV so I was a I was a, worked in TV. I was a production manager. I did. Well, I started off as a production assistant. Worked my way up to. I was head of production somewhere, and I think I don't. It just became too toxic. I, to, to be totally honest, it was just a really cutthroat. It was a really kind of. I definitely had a bit of a, a burnout when it came to working in TV, and kind of a a way out of that even when I was still working in tv was going to classes so I would go to fitness classes and and, um I was I was a hardcore body pumper hardcore body pumper and uh so then I was like well I'm I'm so unhappy in um tv why don't I consider if I could like go down a slightly fitness route and so I did as you know I did like my level two first which is like the gym instructor and I was like okay well that was fun and then I was like why didn't I become a body pump instructor and so I did that and I was like okay well then I can if I'm enjoying this so much why don't I just do the personal training qualifications so when I was in the UK I kind of did both TV and personal training um and then we I I have a green card which is why we're here I 
got married to my better half and then um we did kind of that process and all of a sudden it was like oh we have the opportunity to move to LA or move to the US um we kind of just jacked everything in and I say that I jacked everything in <laughs> she still works for the same company but um I we were just like let's let's try it let's move to the US um we came to LA um the you know the hub of all things health and wellness to a degree I use that kind of in quotation marks actually health and wellness because a lot of it is not um and then when I was here I was like right let's just do personal training and, and classes full-time and so um and just see how that sticks I think a lot of people were like are you going to LA to like continue working in tv I was like absolutely not you couldn't pay me um but yeah that's kind of in a nutshell how we got here that's so interesting that um a I'd love to know how TV kind of influenced maybe your own experience with food and fitness and body image and all that stuff. Like, I wonder if that was a lot of thinking of always thinking like the visual, like, I don't know, did that play a role? I think maybe I was, I was definitely on the back end of TV. I was never, never on TV. Um, But I think it was partly. And I think, Actually, when I think about it, you know, when it came down to casting and things like that, that that's a really mm. profound thing. When it, I, mean, I think people, maybe TV films are getting a bit better about it, but definitely like whatever I'm talking about, 15 years ago, too far, 10 years ago, um, <laughs> it was, you know, yeah, you had to, everybody was slim that's on TV. They are still to a degree, to be honest. But um, yeah, it that played a massive role, I think. And but even further back from that, like as a kid growing up, I think it's really drummed home that a woman's primary role is to, you know, look attractive, not to get too deep and meaningful early on, but that, uh, it's a big thing is that striving to lose weight. So that all played a really big part in like what a woman should look like sort of thing. Yeah, it is something you learn. I was listening to another podcast today and they were talking about the Paris Hilton documentary. I'm not sure if you've seen it. No. It's really good. And I grew up loving The Simple Life, you know, Paris Hilton, yes. Nicole Richie, like that was yeah. my era. I always just, I, I love them. Like, I'm not, I'm not just going to say like, I love them. And I've always been fascinated by them. And it was just showing how when Paris Hilton was like a little girl, that her, like her parents, her grandparents were so obsessed with like her beauty and they used to her nickname was star and they used to really put her on this pedestal and it was just really interesting that from that young age it was driven home that her greatest value was her beauty her looks and and how she portrayed herself and I just thought that was so telling of obviously the kind of trajectory she went on and and everything else but that's just an example of you know, feeling that from a young age. I think it is, I think it's drummed home really early on to women that, you know, maybe to men too, I just can't, can't speak on behalf of the male population, but I think from a young age, and actually I was on a um, slight tangent, I was actually listening to Virgie Tova talking about this, and she was saying that, you know, it's drummed home that women are saying, I'm going to do, do this no justice, but that women from a young age, we're taught your primary role is to look attractive to get a man. Yes. Um, and so, and it was so fascinating um, to hear her talk about that. I will do it no justice, so I'll stop paraphrasing it. But it's that same thing is that, and, and you know, Paris Hilton, 
was is so in the public eye that yeah your primary role is how you your aesthetics um so I think that played a big part in um my makeup with regards to like how I saw myself and that sort of thing um but then at, at the same time I think probably I was feeling a lot of burnout in the tv industry and and you hear often that you're like what do people say the gym is my therapy or, or that yeah. sort of kind of language that people use and I thought oh well okay well if the gym is I'm told that the gym or working out is people's therapy then I'll go to the gym um, or I'll do a class I unfortunately at that time <laughs> took it a little too far um, but yeah I think that's kind of where I started kind of thinking oh well I'll feel better if I go and work out um, that's kind of where it came from. It's so interesting how yeah exercise is seen as this outlet this yeah it's my distraction from all these other things and as much as that can can be really helpful it can only be a distraction to a certain point it's like those things are always going to be there and sometimes you just have to do the really hard work of facing them and dealing with them right but I'm speaking from someone who doesn't like doing that (laughs) and finds that really hard (laughs) that the easier option is to go for that run or go to the class and not think about the deeper thing yeah totally and I I was a big um subscriber to the idea of like what do they say running as therapy or whatever it is and and I for a long time I was like yeah this is totally gonna fix me this body pump class is totally gonna fix me whereas in actual fact what I should have done is just like gone home and like had quiet time or you know signed up for therapy earlier on or, or whatever cry. it was yeah had a cry <laughs> totally I love a good cry actually Same. quite honest um but yeah I think that was a big part of it and it took many a year to come to the conclusion that um you know exercise isn't actually always therapy or in fact it isn't but I think that's also a rather privileged thing to say but um yeah it's not it's not the be all and end all let's put it that way Totally. And I always say that if you're just relying on one sole thing as a crutch, whatever it may be, whether it's, you know, food, I always think of like drinking, Mm -hmm. exercise, always that one thing, you know, to a point it might help. And then it gets to a point where you cross the line with it and it's no longer being helpful. It's harmful. And it's always about like, building in the different tools rather than solely relying on the one thing now I want to kind of slightly rewind and just chat about you arriving as a personal trainer in LA um and I suppose I've got two things I want to think about firstly you are a kind of very vocal um I suppose like anti-diet personal trainer now you are busting the BS about diet culture online and I'm here for it. <laughs> and then you've got this like juxtaposition of living in LA, which is the land of wellness and, you know, like Gwyneth Paltrow and Goop and all the, all the crazes and all these, the new fads, the new diets, the new trends, and a lot of these body standards all kind of, they seem to like be born in LA. So yeah. Were you, uh, I don't know, like, were you aware of diet culture when you start, when you arrived in LA? And then if not, what has it been like since you've kind of taken off the diet culture glasses and, yeah. and are, yeah, in that LA world? 
when I got to LA, I think I was still in a diet culture world. I think um, I, it, I was just towing the line of like, hmm, like I, for decades, I had been uh, very heavily subscribing to diet culture. And when we got to LA, I, I was just towing the line of like, I can't keep this up. It's kind of where my head was going. Um, full transparency at the time, I think I was still like, I hate myself for saying this, but like my fitness pal and all of that, I was still very mm. much involved with. And then um, there was a very poignant day where I was like, I can't keep doing this. And I just deleted my fitness pal, like very randomly just got rid of it. And um, and my better half was like, oh, this is a this is a corner. And I was like, yep, we've turned a corner. We're not going back. And then, and I think from then, because I felt so, um, felt like, felt like honestly awful for somebody that worked in health and fitness I physically and emotionally just felt horrendous because I was under eating and all of that so then I started to like find out okay what like there has to be another way is what I kept thinking to myself there has to be another way and I actually remembered this I tried to find it but I couldn't it might have been a story I think I'm I'm like 99.9% sure you had posted something I think it must have been a story that said like there are big wigs at the top of diet culture companies that are making millions off of your insecurities. And I, I was like, oh my goodness, I feel like crap. And somebody's actually profiting off of that. And that was a big like eye-opening moment for me. And then I was like, okay, let's let's dig into this. What what am I missing here? Um then and whilst this was going on, we'd landed in LA and I was trying to find a job. And um I had two opportunities to work for two different gyms at the time one was a physical therapy company and one was I won't say their name they're a well-known gym company fancy gym company and I was like okay I've got two options here which one and I went with the physical therapy company because the other one I was like too steeped in diet culture like they cared how their trainers looked and they cared, like how your your body is your CV kind of rubbish that they come out with um and so that's when just bit by bit I started to like peel away at diet culture and and then from then I just went in kind of head first really in books and 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 just making sure that I followed people online that like yourself that were talking about this that were opening my eyes to it and I was like oh there's a there's a whole there's a whole other group of people talking about how crap I feel and it's normal and then and it kind of spiraled from there so I definitely still subscribed to diet culture heavily when I came here but then slowly but surely started to kind of see the wood for the trees and have and like have you I don't know have you have you kind of felt maybe like like a bit like like disenchanted with certain aspects of that kind of LA life because like when I think of LA I think of like green juice smoothie bowl um mm-hmm. go do a class might be next to a celebrity yeah. like this is how this is how I picture it um and I think it's worth saying like if you don't subscribe to diet culture you can still drink a green juice you can still have a smoothie bowl and you can still do a class next to a celebrity it's just for different reasons it's just like because it is rather than because you have to and so I'm just curious as to like I don't know has has there been a point where because I do think that when you do discover diet culture there's always this period of like I'm so angry at this and like I can't believe it I can't believe I've been like 
duped for this long and I can't believe I've been like under this spell and no one told me about it and I'm only just finding out about it so yeah I'm just curious um what that what that was like for you like in in that place I think I I, I, when we first got here as I said I was still really like only protein bar low sugar protein bars only it was was a big thing for me um and then I think I remember kind of it suddenly dawned on me I can't remember where I was in a fancy uh very LA supermarket I was in I was like looking at everything and the price of everything and I was like my god that like protein bar that's got no sugar no what not da, 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 is so expensive and I think then I started to like look at not that I advocate this for anybody but I started to look at the back of packages a bit more and I was like and like for what like it's not any healthier really um I never subscribed too much to the wellness side of things and that is um a big part of LA a big part as you say it's the green juice it's the smoothies it's the non-processed quote-unquote mm. um side of things I and I've never been that into that and it, that's just that is something that um it's hard to dabble in because I think people think still they the wellness side of things has done really well at distancing itself from diet culture and being like we're not a diet mm, you kind of are really but um but it's something that I didn't dabble in too or I haven't dabbled in too much um but I just started to really see everything is very fake <laughs> is yeah. how actually I started to see it. And people say that about LA and I don't mean it actually just to LA. I mean, diet culture as a whole is what I managed to start to see was how, you know, for example, they say guilt-free something or other. And it's like nothing, nothing actually is. If you think of it the opposite way around, like a cup of ice cream isn't guilty, but by labeling something as guilt-free, makes out that it is if that makes any sense um, absolutely like do you know what that's such a great point because we subscribe this thing like oh you're guilty if you eat this you're guilty if you eat that like have this you know clean version have your you know halo top ice cream instead of the actual ice cream mm-hmm. and by saying that there's like this yeah other version whatever it, it, you immediately like demonize the original yeah. thing without even thinking about it and it's so interesting yeah I I read a really interesting article about this only yesterday and it was the uh, the, um example they gave was the the author I can't remember his name he his brother had gone to a dentist in somewhere I can't remember where and the dentist said oh you'll be really happy to hear that I clean all of my equipment after each um person that I have each patient and um everything is sterilized and the patient was like, but I would expect, don't, don't sell that as a unique selling point because I'd expect that. But it's the same thing with this. It's that, you know, oh, this is guilt-free. What does that mean then for the, for the everything else, you know, that the ordinary ice cream or what bread, whatever it is, um, just by association, you then think, oh, that is guilt-ridden. Because if you're saying you're not, you are guilt-free, everything else is quote-unquote guilty. And a lot of it's like projection because a lot of it mm-hmm. is, by saying this is guilt-free or like, or something else is, you know, naughty or whatever, like that's just literally someone's perspective on it rather than Mm -hmm. what it objectively is. Mm -hmm. Because how, yeah, like, I don't know. 
a Mars bar is a Mars bar and it has a role for different people for various different reasons. And for some people, like that's essential energy that day. And, you know, for other people, it might feel like more of something like, oh, that I don't usually have this. And like, oh, this is something I don't usually have. And this tastes really good. And, you know, it can be a treat in that sense. It's so interesting, but, but it also can be like, oh, my goodness. I know I demonized Mars bars for a very long time and couldn't go near them. Yeah. But you add that protein in there and suddenly it's back on the table. That's what's interesting right? about this whole thing. The whole thing, and I think something I posted on TikTok, and again, I, what I what I sometimes do on TikTok is I, I sort of talk about the back of packages and I compare things, diet culture products to non-diet culture products. I don't advocate anybody look at the back of packages. That's a very deep hole that I would not encourage anybody to go into. But it is, you take a, you take a protein cookie, quote unquote, and it's high protein, which apparently now equals healthy, for some reason, high protein compare it to something that isn't diet culture like which one is you know quote unquote healthier and I think it's just an eye-open experience when you start to kind of peel back the big bright packaging of diet culture and think oh actually I don't have to eat that that protein cookie that that uh, tastes like cardboard yeah and you actually feel much I personally find and I mean it'll be different for everyone but I find that I'm often satisfied with like a good a like maybe like a less of the quantity that diet culture would let me have but more of mm. the quality that I have with normal foods and let me explain that because I don't know if that's clear so say like with the halo top thing I would be like whoa this is great I can get I get to eat a whole tub of ice cream but yeah. now when I have like the normal the original ice cream I don't want to eat the whole tub of ice cream like not yeah. on a regular basis, only as like a very rare occasion. Generally, it's like I I often do eat out of the tub, but I, you know, I now put things back in the freezer. I never did that before when I was in diet culture. I never could just put things back in the cupboard because it was like, well, I have to eat all of it. Or yeah. or especially but especially with these these diet culture versions, I have to finish the whole packet because it's guilt-free. Like, you know, these are healthy brownies. So I, I need to eat three of them rather than just really enjoying the one yeah. good brownie that just hits the spot. And actually, you might even not even finish it because it's actually like that was just the right amount. And I've learned to okay. find what's the right amount for me. I don't know if you've experienced that. Oh yeah, I would. I I subscribed heavily. Continuing with Halo Top, I was like, "Well, this I, this is ice cream that I'm allowed, quote unquote, to have." Um, and so I'd eat it. And what I've noticed recently is like, if I well, not recently, when I was coming out of diet culture, like, um, do I actually like the taste of it? Is what I've gone through recently. Like, like, do you like the taste of? I don't know what it is now, but like, oh, I had a moment the other day when we were having tacos. That was it. And, and previous diet culture, Laura would have been like lettuce wraps only yes yes yes, yes. Now, I've done that <laughs> oh my goodness and then the other day we had actual you know corn whatever they're made out of tacos regular tacos and I was like what and I felt sad for all of the wasted taco opportunities that I had and I had instead this soggy lettuce wrap that you know tastes I mean it's fine if you prefer a lettuce wrap 100% but when it gets to forcing yourself to have something that diet culture told you is okay 
or better, quote unquote, and you don't have the version that you actually prefer. And that that's kind of been eye opening that I'm like, oh, I actually really do like tacos. I'm not just saying that I prefer lettuce wraps when I don't. Absolutely. I, yeah. Uh, when I first met Jack, I remember I made him have like lettuce burgers <laughs> and all sorts and fajitas. And bless him, he just went along with it. He just went along with it. But um, yeah, we really like eating bread products now. <laughs> bread products. I was like, this actually tastes great. Like I didn't realize how good this stuff tasted. My better half actually, Priya, she's better. She's good. She never says like told you so, but we had the yeah. taco moment. I was like, why does this taste go good? She gives me this side eye. I was like, don't answer. Like, I know we've got a lot of taco making up to do. It's really interesting, like how, I don't know, a partner, I think when they just kind of love you and want to support you, they they just go with whatever yeah. you're you're in at that time. And it's really interesting, like in hindsight, to often reflect back and go, but I did were you okay with that? Like, are you sure you really wanted like the protein pancakes I made you? Um, that was one thing with Jack because I remember when it was like a very, very, very early on and I fed him protein pancakes and he was like, I just can't finish them. They're disgusting. <laughs> and I was like, what? These are incredible. These are, these are like, I gave you my best work. Like I really <laughs> tried to nail it because I wanted to impress you. And yeah, he was like, I can't fake this. They're just not good. We had <laughs> that moment sad? over some uh, some chickpea blondies. Um, yeah. And like, um, Priya like, tasted it. She was like, hmm. Hmm. I was like, are they not good? She was like, they just don't like taste of much. And you know, that's because they're made with like chickpeas, sugar-free something or other. Like, and I was like, oh, and then I taste it. I was like, that's got to go in the bin. Like, whatever, like, that's just got to go in the bin. So it's all these turning points where you, and I think it's also a mental thing, actually, when you start to admit, oh, that doesn't taste as good as the real deal. Mm. And that, that's also a bit of a mental journey as well. There's like a physical one of totally. trying to tell yourself that you prefer these things when you really, really don't. Totally. Yeah, I do kind of, yeah, resent that diet culture like hijacked my taste buds for a bit there, mm. you know, yeah. and now I'm only getting them back. And I'm like, oh, no, this is actually what I like. Like this is, yes. this is what I enjoy. Um, so you mentioned previously, and I know you've spoken about this online as well, that you have kind of had a difficult relationship with food for a long time, like for, for the majority of your life. I think you said online you you went on your first diet at eight years old. Yeah, yeah, so, first diet. Yeah, I, I suppose, yeah, how, what do you wish you could say to eight-year-old self now? you know what what do you what do you kind of think about that so many things um you know and I think it's no it's it's easy actually that video that I put on on TikTok where I say I started my first eight years old I think what's wonderful is that so many women in the um, men in the comments section kind of opened up as well and I think what's easy to do I preface that with it's easy to blame people around us for Mm. that um and and that's what people in the comments were kind of saying about people that they knew and, and family members or whatever. And that that wasn't I you know I I stand by no no child should start a diet at eight years old. And in in that video I say you know people automatically when you say oh I started my first diet at eight years old I think people think oh you must have been a big kid and it it doesn't matter um, whether they're a big kid or not. Um, I did start my first diet and 
I didn't know it was a diet, I think. Um, I just started writing down everything I ate. Um, and, you know, it was a bricks and mortar, uh, my fitness pal, basically. And I didn't know calories or anything like that. I was just writing down, you know, packet of Maltesers or whatever it was. Um, and that, it's, it was, I think, I think any decade it really is apparent, but, you know, as we said, when we started, like, for women, we're so based on our aesthetics that it was just what women did. You just, you watch your weight. And I just thought, oh, I'll get started early and I'll, I'll, you know, monitor my food early and I'll get a one-upmanship on everybody else that's still like playing in the playground. I'll, uh, you know, start on this little food diary. Um, what would I say to her? I think, oh dear, what would I say to her? I'd say that it probably like, I'd say you, you shouldn't be defined by how you look, but unfortunately I think everybody, women in particular are defined by how we look. But, and so it's kind of a bigger story on how you tackle that. Um, that sort of transpired into every diet under the sun um, from, you know, everything I talked about it in that video, but like low carb, whatever, Ducan, whatever they, they were called at the time. And yeah, just a very unhealthy relationship with food that I that is normalized. I think that's probably the scariest part. And what I would say to my younger self is that that's not normal. Um, it's common, but it's not normal to for people, women to worry about their food intake as their primary concern. Yeah, it, it is interesting that for so many people and actually this is a, what, another way that like social media in general has kind of opened my eyes to so many people's introductions and experiences with dieting and how young it does start and how prevalent it is that it will be a case of you know whether it's like joining a parent at a diet club meeting like that seems really common like oh yeah mum just took me along to Weight Watchers and I went with her and just the the way you absorb that whether it's even like explicitly said to you you must go on a diet or not you just absorb the information and you absorb the way that people talk to themselves around you and you copy behaviors that you see like in caregivers yeah. and it, yeah it, it's be it's really interesting like for you was it a case of seeing it around you and just wanting to fit in with what everyone else was doing I think and I went through a very similar thing is that even younger than eight you know I was you know you get taken along to places your parents go to right and so I, I we did go to a Weight Watchers group I, I wasn't weighed or anything like that I was allowed to play with the toys in the corner but I remember seeing people stand on a weighing scale and their emotional state was dictated by that number on the scale mm. you know nine times out of ten people felt very low and that's an understatement after they'd stepped on the scale but and then in, in stark comparison the elation that people felt for losing you know, a menial amount of weight or a small amount of weight, or, or maybe it was a large amount of weight, but whatever, just seeing that number on the scale go down, I think seeing how happy that made people um, was a real eye-opener. And that was seen as something to strive for um, in my eyes. And, and um, yeah, it does have a real knock-on effect. And as I said, it's not anyone's fault. It's just diet culture. It is just that 
we as humans, I think men and women are encouraged to get that number on the scale as low as physically and feasibly possible. Um, but it will never be low enough is also the other thing. It, it's never enough. Um, so I think that's kind of where it all started from and just seeing that you're right, like in the comments, people do just, that in the comments of that video, people just really were like, started mine at eight, you know, started mine lower, younger than that. Um, but it's really normalized that that's, maybe that, not that that's okay, but that there's an obsession with how we look and what we eat and, and that sort of thing and how that's such a primary concern for people. And def definitely there's that thing where we need to, to, to say that it's not being anti-dieter and mm. the choices that people make to attend those meetings or step on those scales. It's the fact that there is a culture that means and there's a, a kind of a value system and, and, a, and the belief system and, you know, a, a money-making machine that means that you step on scales and you either feel bad or you feel good. Yeah. And that it's either like those two things, like you, you either it, it can make your day or break your day. And that isn't anyone's fault. That is diet culture. That is what diet culture is to, to be blamed for that feeling. And sadly, people who really believe they're doing the best for themselves and the best for their children end up in these environments, um, that when you know better and you understand that like it's no environment to take a child and you don't realize that until until it's too late for, you know until you you're older and like oh hang on a second you yeah. know and I think to, to your point about kind of you know it's not anti kind of there is body autonomy here and that's mm, another totally. thing that I'm like really trying to I wrote something about it recently it was like you know it's everyone's choice to do whatever they want with their body if you want to get your ears pierced get your respects for you if you want to you know wear whatever you want to wear if you want to diet diet but I think it's too often what I try and say with clients as well is that you know it is your choice what you do with your body but I, all I ask is that you try and I say try because this is definitely not easy to come from a place of body appreciation or body neutrality at the best those are words I think we hear a lot but you know trying to appreciate what your body can do now you can want to change it okay but what can I do right now that I really appreciate for my body and you know because diet culture just pushes us to think that there is this better person at the end of the rainbow and yeah as far in, in my experience that's that pot of gold is very rarely there or it's very short-lived Yes. And, yes. you know, in the long term, you can't maintain that. And when you can't maintain it, you feel like a failure and like you're taking 10 steps backwards. And yes. that's not the case. And I think, yeah, you're right. It's so seen as that pot of gold kind of yes. feeling. And like, I felt it thinking, wow, I'm finally here. And then just the panic and stress. And, you know, the thing with with getting in these diets and I, I imagine saying you've done so you know as you've had the experience of doing so many diets you can may can probably relate there's such a high from achieving the size or the the goal that you wanted 
And not everyone will even achieve that. But if you do achieve that, it's like, oh my goodness, I did it. Look at me. And then it's like years later and you're thinking, okay, I can't like, uh, how do I get back to that? Because I can't maintain, I can't upkeep this lifestyle. And I think that's the, that's the, the problem for me. And I a hundred percent have so much empathy and compassion for people who, and as you say, believe in total body autonomy to choose what you want to do with your body, but just be, make an informed decision and know that it's not all rainbows and sunshine. It is, can be really hard. And that if you're looking for a more sustainable approach and and thinking long-term, the less focus you put on the number on the scale and the less focus you put on the way you look, the more fulfilling what you're doing A will be. And you will feel like your mental health will probably be much better, which is like the factor of health that people just don't value as much, which is so sad. Yeah, yeah. I think what you mentioned previously is something um, that it was like, you know, a lot of, I think a lot of people put this emphasis on, well, when I'm a size X, I can wear the bikini or I can, I will, and this is diet culture, or I will get that raise or I will get that promotion or whatever it is. Mm. And, And now I'm able to sort of see the wood for the trees. You see it a lot more in advertising and stuff like that. There's a, there's a commercial here that like, horrendous commercial but basically this woman is sitting at the head of the table and is clearly the board leader or whatever she is and she's just had she's just done some kind of diet or something and it's like that narrative of you will succeed once you've lost weight is is just mind-boggling when you really think about it in, in that kind of sphere but as you say body autonomy you know we have the right to do whatever we want mm. with our bodies um but from a mental health perspective, will you feel better in yourself? And I think it's hard to distinguish between that as well when some when people are so steeped in diet culture that they think, yes, I will feel better mentally and physically. And um, maybe you will. Um, but it doesn't mean that you can't live life now. I mean, that sounds very woo-woo, but you can't live life currently because you're waiting for that time over there when you'll have lost a certain amount of weight or fit into a certain dress size. Totally. You can still practice self-care. You can still celebrate yourself. You can still work on acceptance. You can still do all these things. Like you can still like travel and go on holiday and do all the fun things you want to. I mean, maybe not in this pandemic life, but you know, soon you can do all these things and you don't have to wait. I think there's a really lovely quote. um, And the name's completely gone from my mind, but She's a US-based um, plus-size blogger and she is fan- just awesome and has a, the kind of slogan of like, don't wait on your weight. And oh, I, I like just, that. I love it. Um, <laughs> what was her name? Her name was Cece Elisa and yes. she has done a TED talk about it, about how, yeah, <gasps> don't wait to, to be who you want to be. Yeah. Um, because life's happening right now. Life is happening right now. And I think, you know, we we all do it thanks to diet culture. They do tell, you know, everything will happen once you've lost weight or mm. once you fit into that dress or all of that. And, and that's, I love that quote. I uh, I hadn't heard that before. That's awesome. Yeah, it, it, it's 
I love it. I love it too. And it, it's a really nice little mantra to have as well. Yeah. And so I wanted to talk about TikTok and this kind of generation. And I'm seeing a lot of it on TikTok as now, now because what I love about Gen Z is I say this as a 30 year old millennial. <laughs> what I love about Gen Z is obviously that they just love using humor to cope with their problems, um, which yeah. does provide some like really great kind of dark humor. Um, <laughs> but but interestingly enough, like I will see a lot of trends where people will say like, there's this trend going around where you say like where your outfit's from, but then people say like, my top is from Zara. My body dysmorphia is from like my, my childhood and my oh. thing that, or like I got this, this necklace is from this. I have this eating disorder. It's da da da. And I can't be, I, like, and I don't know if this is just because this is the kind of content I'm attracting, but I'm, I'm actually really surprised with how, obviously there's like the slight joke about it because it's like their way with dealing with the issue but also how prevalent this stuff still is in that generation and how a lot of them I see this in the comments and I see this in in videos where a lot of people are saying like does anyone else's mum just eat a yogurt and then that's it like the whole day and stuff like that and like the amount of people going oh my goodness yes this is me this is my life I can't believe we all live the same life and you know, you'll have like 50,000 people like a comment about that. And you just, it's actually quite mind blowing to think that this is such a common experience for people. And especially still that generation, even though we have become more accepting of body types, I think, and I do think we have making progress with certain things, but what, what are your thoughts on Gen Z? And do you, is your presence on TikTok partly a way of going like, I see these old patterns happening and I want to do something to just change it? Totally. I haven't actually seen that trend on TikTok, so I need to try and find that. I try not to spend too much time on there because it can just suck your suck it, time It away. really can. I'm saying this so from experience. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I haven't seen that. I need to find that. But I do think, I think more so my, my presence on TikTok was more actually like some kind of self, I don't know what, what the word is, but like a coming of age. Like I did this for so long. And even if it's just for myself, it's it's common, but it's not normal. Um, I think, is it, and I use that term quite a lot recently. And I think it's really common for um, mums or, you know, old women to really restrict food intake and then that trickles down into you know kids gen z those that you know you follow what you see um and i have seen people in the comments say or you know my mom only eats this and that kind of thing and so i think it's trying to give a different perspective that yes that's one way of doing things and we are all entitled to do whatever we want to do that's one way of doing it but that's not the only way to do it and you know for example you don't have to only eat half a banana. You can actually eat a whole banana um, and maybe you won't be hungry 45 minutes later. And that's that's brilliant. Um, it's that kind of myth busting. It's probably the wrong word, but there's just normalizing of, hmm, or maybe more so trying to unnormalize disorder behavior is probably a too extreme a word but unnormalized what's common I don't think disordered behaviors are is is too extreme actually because I actually do think disorder in general especially in the fitness space is so normalized 
Yeah. And yeah, well, I, once again, TikTok can kind of get me up my bubble a li- little bit. And I, I do see kind of other content being made and I'm like, okay, we've got work to do because we're still yeah. banging the same drum that I used to look at Pinterest on 10 years ago. So we're yeah. still saying the same things. And, you know, I don't know if you've seen, there's like the weighted hula hoop trend and this obsession with like getting this whole like weighted hula hoop craze, which is born on TikTok, which is all about obviously doing the hula hoop to like get a smaller waist. And yeah, this is what happens when you spend a lot of time on the app, Laura, you see a lot totally. of these things, but at the same time, it's kind of like, wow, the way, the way I, my view on having a presence online in general is very much like not to say that my way is the only way at all but to just give a different perspective and just put out something that may be different and may make you think twice about just solely consuming one perspective on something or so you know only doing one way of thinking about something because there you know diet culture is by far the majority even yeah. though we, when you're in like the non-diet space, you're like, oh, there's so many great people doing great things. And then you get outside of it and you're like, ah, oh, hang on a second. Wait now. Very much still the mainstream. Diet yeah. culture is very much still the default. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and you're right, as we talked about at the beginning, like, you know, on Instagram, I think it's really easy on other platforms to make really nice little ecosystem for yourself. Like, you know, follow people like yourself and other people that say a very similar language to what I may be thinking. And then you kind of open it up to TikTok and you're like, oh, people really are still posting like very restricted what I eat in a day content, even though I'm not seeing it anymore. It's like, it's still out there. I'm like, oh gosh, okay. Uh, yeah, still got a lot of work to do here. Um, and, and you know, it's, I think you, in those scenarios when people are so heavily subscribed to it, they don't see anything wrong with it. You know, there's, there's nothing wrong with super shredded Sally posting what she eats in a day for a certain amount of calories or whatever. I think that's really weird, actually. Like, that this is what I eat. Well, I don't know if you've seen the screenshot, but it's like, what I eat in a day for this amount of calories. I'm like, that's really strange. I have seen videos of people who I just know I would be if I was this age. You know, if, if I was like 21 again and TikTok had just come out, I would have made those videos and I see myself and I see the same behaviors and the same thought patterns. And it's sometimes really hard to watch because I just feel so sad. I just want to, I just want to say to people like this level of caring about everything, every like, you know, uh, every morsel of food that enters your mouth, that level of attention to that is too much like this is a slip like this is a slippery slope and like as a big sister I just want to say you know and I have I have made a video on TikTok before saying like hey I just want to be a big sister these what I eat in videos are getting out of hand because I'm just seeing exactly what I did when it was on Instagram where you just posted pretty photos of your food like every day like all the meals I ate in a day I'd post it like breakfast my 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 breakfast my lunch my dinner um, you know, even like three or four posts in a day. And yeah. now it's why in a day videos on TikTok and it just changes. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's interesting how it's like just still going on. And we know that young women, especially 
teenagers and in that transitional period of your life, early 20s are so susceptible to eating disorders. Like that is a prime age for um, really forming a a strained relationship with food and exercise and your body image. And so that is the target audience of, of TikTok right now. And so when though when you've got a, that kind of those vulnerable people making that content consuming that content being told by other people what they should and shouldn't do it, it it's a bit of a like a bit of a disaster waiting to happen yeah it's it definitely it's that and it's funny it's a real minefield I think on when you as you say when you're so young you're so impressionable you just think everybody's doing it you know and that's kind of how you know that sneaky little algorithm everybody's counting macros for example or you know all the healthy people I just want to be healthy and all the health, yeah. healthy people seem to do this so I'm going to do what the healthy people do that's that was how I got into it I just want to be healthy those was, healthy people you know, look so happy yes all the time <laughs> mm. so it's really like a, a, a um, deceitful little um you know, whatever it is. And, and I'm, it's funny, I, I had a moment on TikTok where I, I used to, back in, not too long ago, kind of call out individuals when I see them doing it. And so I think it's a really fine line. It's like, you know, diet culture is an entire industry and it needs to be, you know, said for what it is. But it is perpetuated by the super shredded sallies of this world that, um, you know, are posting their calorie intake under eating every day um, and normalizing that. And uh, yeah, that's, uh, just as you say, you just need to be the big sister to say, oh, there is there is another way here. Like you don't have to do that one. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a scary world out there. It It is. And I, I'm really glad there are people like you on there and it's like really kind of creating a community and and building that presence because it's so needed and you know I think there will be people on there who will find this message and find this I don't know find this approach and it will be such a weight lifted off their shoulders that's my hope that they're like oh I can relax like I don't have to be stressing about this all the time yes my 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 brownies don't need to be made from avocado yeah or black beans (laughs) Oh God, or sweet potato you took you you take your pick because I've found, yeah. tried them all <laughs> I did too I tried the black bean one and then it was like it's meant to be sweet or savory I was like I don't know but it's just I don't take or like Instagram or wherever it was at the time yeah those Pinterest oh recipes oh it's <laughs> I've still got the Pinterest boards I don't know why I, I don't know I just don't ever like delete anything and I was just it's shocking the things I pinned I can't believe it one of the things you talk about on TikTok which I find really important like like I said at the, at the beginning you're not afraid to just speak on issues and one thing you're really vocal about is thin privilege and and talk addressing privilege of of different kinds and yeah I just wondered what your thoughts were on that in terms of the context of talking about diet culture talking about you know, the pros and cons of weight loss and, and, you know, how diet culture impacts us. How do you, yeah, how do you kind of reason that with, with your own thin privilege? Yeah, it's a really interesting one because, um, again, it would have been somebody that I, maybe yourself, somebody on Instagram at some point would have posted about thin privilege. And I would, and I think I was like, 
oh, hold on. This is another like tip of the iceberg that I don't know anything about. And um, I posted something. I was I didn't think anything of it, but I posted something a while back on TikTok, a, a while back on TikTok. And I had said, you know, I can preach about don't do a diet, eat a real brownie, et cetera, et cetera. But that's, an, that's a message that is accepted from me, I believe, because I'm in a thin body. And, and you know, that's apparently deemed more socially acceptable. And um, quote, unquote. And so... I posted this and it didn't get a lot of like nobody really looked at it that much or whatever and then one girl woman her name is Marissa Matthews on TikTok I can't remember her handle right now but she um is in a larger body and she took my what well, the one that very creative things about TikTok she took my audio and filmed her own piece but using my audio the trolling she got was vile like and and I'll never forget it. I'd taken a week off. We were here and I and I opened TikTok one morning and my TikTok had blown up like of just people commenting and tagging me and things. And I, I said to her, I was like, something's happened. I don't really understand what. And I watched her video. She'd done an incredible job of it. But as I said, the, the, the comments were disgusting that she'd received. And she was saying, you know, don't come for me. It was Laura that said this. And I was like, yeah, hi. Yeah, it was, this was all on me. Why are you not coming after me and saying this? And it was just a, a real life example of thin privilege. And it was from then that I was like, oh no, this is, this. I've got to fight this fight because so many other people are fighting this fight. And, and it's, it's a privilege that I'm able to say this and not receive the hate that Marissa got. And that's just one example of it happening. Um, but I do believe it's really easy for it really easy for people in thin bodies to scream about anti-diet or you know health at every size but is that same message ex- accepted the same way from somebody in a larger body it, it's it's a, just a question that I put out there and, and I think it's scary the reactions that some people get it's the way that you know we could post pictures of us eating a burger and get so mm-hmm. much praise and thank yous and oh thank you for like normalizing eating say yeah and someone in a larger body makes a burger and, and they they eat a burger as well and they're just equally enjoying the exact same meal yep the comment section would be a whole different thing right and it's true and I you know even down to I said this the other day a while ago um I posted a photo of, uh, you know, my old jeans don't fit anymore. And I posted a photo of trying to hoik these jeans up and everyone was like, oh my goodness, thank you so much. And that's lovely to hear, but you know, that's only acceptable to hear it if I'm, if I'm still thin. Um, mm. And if somebody in a thin body is saying it and you're right, the eating thing actually drives me bonkers. Um, I posted something about, I was eating a pizza and I was like, you know, if I was in a larger body, you, you'd all be trolling me while I eat this pizza telling me to get a salad or whatever you think I should be doing. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a, um, again, thin privileges, talking about thin privileges, one thing, but it's also a privilege to be able to talk about thin privilege, well, it's not privileges and it'd be accepted Yeah. because again, if I was in a larger body talking about thin privilege, it just it would not land the same way. Just generally like who we listen to for information, who we trust as a trusted source, like who we, you know, if, if I say, um really focus you know you know work out to feel good 
And then a plus size trainer would say, work out to feel good. Then are you thinking about them like, oh, you're just a cop out. Like you actually like, it's because you, you can't be bothered to work harder. But are you thinking that about me? And it's just that, like, I think, I hope maybe if you're listening and you're like, oh, actually, maybe I would think that, or maybe I do make those judgments. It's something that is, once again, like we're saying, how subtle diet culture can be. Like, it's so just absorbed and ingrained this it's like this weight bias that we have and you know therefore there is a privilege to being in a smaller body and it's important to acknowledge that because and like you are doing using it to speak up and say that like the way you treat me versus the way you treat a plus size person is not okay we should be treated the exact same we are equals we should be treated as equals totally 100 percent. and and you know I as I said three years ago when I moved to LA I was still very heavily subscribed into diet culture and and so I'm also very keen to point out I'm not I'm not the first person to be talking about this in fact there have been hundreds thousands of other men and women that have been talking about this and some of them in larger bodies why have they why is it only now that we this is being accepted is also a question i have and and it's just an interesting thing and it's inter- what you had mentioned about like being celebrated oh my goodness thank you so much for posting this i posted mm. something on tiktok and i put it on instagram about like you know things that should be normalized cellulite etc cetera, etc cetera. but mine is minimal and i have still have thin privilege when it comes to those things and that's why it's celebrated whereas if somebody in a larger body how would they get i'm not saying how people would respond i'm just asking how would one respond to that because in the example that i gave with marissa it's not the same way and and that needs an eyebrow raised to it it's kind of my point when it comes to thin privilege yeah there's an absolute double standard there and yeah yeah, it's something that we need to keep talking about keep addressing keep asking the questions to ourselves Mm -hmm. as well as asking the questions to like people around us so I want to um yeah I just love chatting with you Laura I feel like we could chat for so long and go into so many avenues of this conversation and I've I've just loved it um but before we go, I want to chat about your relationship with movement and just, you know, we've spoken a lot about the food stuff, but how has unlearning diet culture impacted your relationship with movement? Has it changed? You know, since you even got to LA, like, has it changed? Where are you at now? My, yes, yes, it's changed. There's been a definite journey. I think um, I... I'm, I will preface this with, I'm not a born athlete by any stretch of the imagination. I actually, I don't think I picked up my first weight until I was 21 um, when I worked in TV and I um, started, did my first body pump class. Would I say that the the DOMS muscle soreness after that first body pump class, that was the worst thing I'd ever been through. But so I started very heavily subscribing to um, body pump and that sort of thing, um, as well as running. I was, when I was in diet culture, I was like, one must run like if you are not fitness if you are not running um and then as I've kind of come out of it and actually like stopped tracking workouts and that sort of thing and I that was actually from you because I remember you'd put like could you take your watch off and not track your workout and I was like no 
I can't. So I was like, I have to, I had to try and take it off. And from then I think I sold my Apple Watch. I didn't want it back. I was like, no. So I think I did a lot of these, um, I don't know what you'd call them, like quote unquote high calorie burning workouts. I don't mean that in the literal sense, but what they're deemed as, as that. And then it's only now, many years later that I'm like, I don't actually like running that much. Like it doesn't, like, or I don't, those body pump classes, I actually prefer to just like, if I just want to work my my arms and I'll just do that. Or so I still do strength training, but it's less of this very heavily prescribed kind of must work in a body pump class, must go for minimum certain amount of distance run, all of that. Um, definitely become a lot more uh, enjoyable, I will say. I'm interested in the fitness tracker thing. Um, oh, I yes. think a lot of people are like, oh, you can't take this away from me. And it's yeah. not a case of necessarily trying to take it away from people. It's it's just a case of going, can you work out without this? Could you have a week without your fitness tracker? Yeah. And what would that yeah. feel like? Like experiment, you know, it's yeah. not saying like you could never use this again because it will have its place, but eventually, but, if you're finding that you're running up and down your stairs to make your steps and like complete your rings, it's worth taking it off for a bit. That between me actually doing that, um, when we were in, when we lived in London, we were like on the first floor. So if I looked at my watch at like seven thirty at night and I'm like so close to finishing one of the rings, I'd like quickly do like some running up and down the stairs. Just, I mean. Um, We'll park that back there for when I, I was in that phase. But um, yeah, I remember you'd posted like that question of, could you take the watch off? Not so much telling somebody what to do, similar with thin privileges, it's posing the question. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you said like, could you work out without your tracker? And, and for me to feel like my exercise wasn't validated unless I'd tracked it was a real eye-opening moment when I was like, oh, just because I didn't track it doesn't mean it didn't happen doesn't mean my body didn't get the benefits like my body doesn't know what these stats say (laughs) my body doesn't know like how you know my body doesn't know the calories or the whatever it just knows it knows the the you know how it worked my muscles and it knows how I you know engaged my cardiovascular system that's what it knows it doesn't need you don't need to constantly quantify everything. And I think that this real trend of fitness tech in general um, is this like this constant need for data, 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 data. Mm -hmm. When it's like your body, (laughs) your eyes can see the data, but your body doesn't like, no. No, no. And I remember saying to a few clients, they they said to me like, oh, you don't have any kind of fitness watch tracker thing. I was like, yeah, I don't track my workout. It was like a personal trainer that doesn't track their workouts. And I was like, yeah, you know. It's like, do do you close your step, close your rings every day? And I was like, no, I, I don't think I do. I, I don't have rings. No, there's no rings to close. <laughs> yeah, I don't have rings. Yeah, it's a very. I think that was a big um, kind of detachment from diet culture for me is that element of fitness and that and trying to, you know, your exercise is still your exercise still happened even if you didn't uh, track it and. I remember you saying actually like you probably enjoyed it more like rather than looking at how many supposed calories you burnt which is the the uh, how accurate that is is another thing but um it doesn't matter if you burn that many calories or not did you enjoy it and and that's actually where you know I, I'm a very much a team no burpee person mm-hmm. um which 
also got a lot of hate on TikTok. But, um, you know, not every move that quote unquote burns the most calories is actually the most enjoyable. And Well, that's the thing that uh, that's the thing I have the most issue with in the way that diet culture has influenced fitness. It's that it's told us that we the best workout is the one that burns the most calories rather than being the one you most enjoy. And therefore we go after like trend after trend after trend, whether it's this weighted hula hoop, whether it's, um, you know, making sure you're doing burpees or doing a hit workout or, you know, whatever it is, like doing some, you know, new craze of whatever the trend is. <laughs> and we just go from one thing to the next thing to the next thing rather than going, okay, well, I'm just following the workout trends and what everyone's telling me I should be doing rather mm-hmm. than going like what do I want to do yeah totally I think if I, if, I, if I ever get the question and it doesn't happen often but if I ever get the question of like what's the best workout like as you know with train happy like one you enjoy like the one that you look forward to doing unlike me and London when I used to run home from the office like in the pouring rain and hate every minute of it you know hey it dreaded that Actually, now if I'm, and that's not to say I enjoy every workout, I definitely don't. But more often than not, I'm like, oh, I really, I enjoyed that today. Or like, feel good now, or, or whatever. And say, so, yes, yeah, there is no best workout. <laughs> well, there is. There, it's the one you enjoy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and on that note, I have to ask you, what has been your most recent train happy moment? So now I, I now preface this. So after everything I've just said about running, okay, I, I still hate running, but I have, and I'm a solo workout person. I don't like to work out with people generally, but Priya, my wife, she's been doing couch to 10K and she was like, maybe some days you could come running with me. And initially I dragged my feet. I was like, no, don't like running, bad association, don't want to do it. And then uh, we actually have been, she broke me down and we have been running together and it is so lovely there are no phones what well, she does have her phone for the app but I don't have my phone you know it's like a it's like a, a catch-up we're not going very it's like speed is not a thing I'm not tracking how quick I'm going or anything like that it's, it has been a lovely experience of actually training with somebody and kind of getting back into running it's, it's really nice and I do think sometimes it's not even necessarily like the activity. It's just the mm. mindset you have around the activity. And when you're doing something because you feel like you should be doing it and there's this pressure attached to it, it's a whole different experience than when it becomes like a, an enjoyable social thing that you're doing with your partner and you're just hanging out. And like that, it just, just even the way you approach it can mean that it can be like a whole different experience. Totally. This is honestly, I, 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 as I say, I'm a solo workout person generally, but, but having somebody just to like chat rubbish with, like talk about like line of duty or whatever with it's, it's been, I've, been oh, I've, I've seen you, I've, I've seen your stories. We watched like, three series having, in three days. I won't lie. I'm tempted to go back. If I'm honest, I'm tempted to go back to the beginning. And I, I was actually like, Oh, if only to be tally at the beginning of line of duty. <laughs> We had the bank holiday weekend and I spent two solid days like on the sofa watching Line of Duty. It was great. That I actually can think of nothing better. Yeah, it was really good. I'm going to watch it tonight as well. I'm like already looking at the clock because it's the evening here, like thinking, oh, just make dinner. And I uh, get to watch Line of Duty. (laughs) Amazing. I might have to go back to the beginning. It's so good. 
Laura, I have loved chatting with you and we've spoken so much about TikTok. Where can people find you online? <laughs> I am on TikTok. Funnily <laughs> enough. <laughs> no, if you'd asked me this a couple of years ago, I would have been like, absolutely not. I'm not going on TikTok. But I am. Um, I'm Laura, uh, at Laura Giasi, which is G-H-I-A-C-Y. And then I am on Instagram. Um, it's actually Laura underscore Giasi. I don't know. Apparently there might be another Laura Giasi somewhere on Instagram without the underscore. Who knows? You need to fight them for the username. Like, please let me have it. <laughs> I know. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, my absolute pleasure. I will link that for everyone in the show notes so they can find you. And yeah, just go check out Laura's pages on both Instagram and TikTok because she's such a pleasure to follow. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And that is it for this week's episode of the Train Happy Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you took something away from this episode. And if you did, please let me know by sending feedback. You can find us on Instagram at Train Happy Podcast. Or even better, it would be amazing if you could rate and review the podcast on whichever platform you're listening, as it really, really helps to support and boost the Train Happy message. And remember, if you have had a recent moment where this stuff has just started clicking for you, then share your story with us via email, trainhappypodcast at gmail.com to become the train happy trooper of the week. And if you have a burning question you would like me to answer, then please send those in too. And it may be answered in our bonus Q&A episodes. Once again, thank you for listening and I will speak to you soon. 